How is everybody today? Good? Looking good? You know, before we read the scripture and pray, I would like to just ask a question and then we'll, we'll get into the scripture. But have any of you ever experienced your life in a church that was divisive, that argued and split about everything? Because that's, um, that's what I'm going to be talking about today a little bit, very little bit. So let's uh, turn to Ephesians, the fourth chapter. I'm going to read, uh, it's quite a few verses, but if you have a Bible, if not have a Bible, ushers will give you one. There's 16 verses here, so hang in there with me as you as you read along with me. Uh, Paul is writing this letter from a dungeon in Rome. He's very close to his execution. But he said, I therefore, prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling that you have been called, with all humility and gentleness and with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit, the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, through all, and in all. But grace has been given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does that mean, but he had also descended into the lower parts of the earth? Who has descended is the one who also ascended far above all of the heavens that he might fill all things. He gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ until we attain to that unity of the faith, of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the statue of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow, so it builds itself up in love. Pray with me, please. Lord, we come into your presence today, thanking you for all of the many blessings that you have given to us. The ultimate blessing is that of Jesus Christ himself. We thank you, Lord, that, that by your grace, not by anything that we've done to deserve it, but by your grace, Lord, you saved us. And we thank you for it. We thank you, Lord, for building up your body so that we can walk in the manner of our calling. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, back to the question. Any of you have been in churches that, that were like that? Any of you? Or a few here and there? Yeah. You know, my personal experience growing up in a church um, that actively taught that we were the church. <laughs> we were it. We were, we were the only ones going to be saved. And I tell you the truth, that is a, uh, that's a hard mountain to stand on. You're trying to share with people the gospel of Christ in love. Oh yeah, we're, we are way up there. We're special. The rest of everybody else is going to blazes. So um, it, it's very hard sharing. You know, especially when, you know, when Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except by me, well, we were pretty sure 
that Christ was on board with us being that way. Instead of him being the way, we were that way. And it's, uh, you know, thinking about that now, it's like, wow, how, how people so, are so easily deceived um, by just a, a little tweak here and there of gospel. And uh, it's very sad. But anyway, this particular church didn't recognize other Christians as being Christians. Sometimes they didn't even recognize some of their own brothers as being Christians. If they didn't agree, agree with all these, uh, these laws, I guess. <clears throat> so it's, it's just unfortunate. But many loving, believing people can get off track. It's just, uh, it is just too easy to get off track if you're not devoting yourself to Christ in the Word. You know, people that get off track, um, they can hurt. They can hurt people. It gets devastating sometimes. So my story may be one that you can relate to a little bit or maybe not. But i got to tell you, it had a great ending. <laughs> I grew up. Uh, God's grace saved me. Uh, Paul's letter, letters that he wrote to all these churches, in, like in Ephesus and Philippi and Colossians and uh, all those places, you know, his emphasis was on Jesus. And um, between finally really getting into those letters and the gospel letters, basically the whole Bible, uh, it just turned turned my life around and I, I became changed. And I thank God for that. The 16 verses that we're going to be looking at, Within those verses lies the key to the unity of the church. Uh, we'll be seeing what we have in common with all believers. Doesn't matter what name they have on the building, but it's all believers in Jesus Christ. And uh, ultimately, we'll be looking at how God and His love and His purpose is leading us to walk worthy of that calling that He has on our lives. Paul wrote this church in in Ephesus while he was a prisoner in Rome. He was possibly just months away from being executed. He knew that was coming. Um, he wrote many, many letters to the churches, kind of his final uh, goodbyes, I guess, and final warnings, because his concern was not about his pending death. His concern was about all the divisions that were going on all the false teachings that were going on in his church, in the churches of, that Christ had established through him, and all the pain that that causes. Chapters 1, 2, 3, he concentrated on uh, God's sovereignty and what uh, God had done for us by his grace. And it's a, it's a beautiful book. If you haven't read it, studied it, you really need to do that. Starting with chapter 4 that we're in here, he calls us to live rightly before God. Live rightly between each other. This letter to the Ephesians is a unity letter. Most of the world doesn't value unity. Uh, didn't back in those days. It certainly doesn't now. Rather than making an effort to maintain unity of believers, we sacrifice that unity by airing our differences. And often in public, airing our differences. And the world looks at the Christian churches and say, hmm, wow, you've got to be kidding. And, uh, you know, we value our, use a, a phrase that Nick used a couple of weeks ago, we, we value our tribal differences more than, our, than what we have in common with fellow believers. Something in our hearts wants to make ourselves more important than someone else. And, uh, you know, many churches have been very guilty of this prideful arrogance, uh, so much so that they've ignored the gospel and love of Jesus Christ. Um, we are, just my experience here at Mercy Hill, we, we are a, um, a blessed people, really are. But this unity... He ask, how can this unity that's lost in so many areas of Christendom, how can that be reestablished? Well, you know, 
it doesn't need to be reestablished because it is here. It is here in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus is a gift from God. Uh, the purpose was to unite unite us. You know, th- there are differences in some essentials of the gospel. We can't ignore those differences. There are some essentials that all Christians need to agree on. But there are just some things that, like, really, you know, <laughs> you're making that an essential. That if I don't believe that, then I'm not going to be saved. And I think you all know what I'm I'm talking about. We've we we, you know, Nick and Steve before has gone over the essentials that we as Christians we all believe in. Um, our concern should not be for an organizational unity. Our concern rather should be in a unity that we share as believers in who Jesus is and what he's done. Um, His death, burial, and resurrection is everything that we stand for and that unite us together. Uh, We have unity in essentials. We have liberty in the incidental things. And in all things, we should be loving each other. In verse 1, Paul talks about the manner in which we live our lives toward God and toward each other. And and it shares God's purpose for his church that he's established here. He wants us to walk worthy. Paul says, walk worthy of that calling. You know, God has called us unto himself. We weren't worthy when he called us. Don't confuse that because we are, we are what we deserve and, and what we get by his grace is totally extreme opposites. <laughs> but we as believers understand that God in his great mercy has has saved us while we were yet sinning. He called us to himself. Um, Ephesians, the second chapter. I'm going to read this. Said, Not the whole chapter. Just a few verses. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive in Christ. By grace you've been saved and raised up with him, and seated with us with him in heavenly places in Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show immeasurable riches to his grace and kindness toward us in Christ. For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not of your own doing, but is a gift. Gift from God, not a result of your own good works, so that any of you would boast about it, brag about it, how wonderful I was. That's why God had no choice but to save me. Not, not at all. And I think we all know that, definitely. But I, as I mentioned earlier, and I'm going to digress a little bit about my growing up in this uh, divisive church. There's just a lot of legalism, a lot of lack of understanding, a lack of mercy that was shown to people that were hurting, lack of grace. All of my teenage years, and then uh, I moved from Colorado out here when I was 18. So up until the age of 28, I was still kind of in that in that genre because the church I went to in Colorado was kind of duplicated out here a lot and a lot in that uh, kind of teaching. So I had a real up and down roller coaster ride in my spiritual walk until I was about 28. Um, on the days that I just knew that I was walking that walk, <laughs> I just knew that if, if I died that day, well, you know, God owed me. I was following him, and you know, I'd be saved. But all the other days, and there were many of those, I, I just knew that, you know, I, I'm not walking the walk, and I won't be saved if I get run over today or something. It, it's not a good, not a good existence uh, with a loving God because... He wants so much more for us. Um, so when I was 28, my brother um, invited me to a meeting with this guy. Uh, he was an Air Force chaplain. And he normally, in his meetings, he always talked about praise and worship. Because that was kind of his, uh, his uh, little shtick about training. Like, what's the importance of being here Sunday morning, being here for worship uh, and in your own prayer life, 
what's important without that. I mean, he did does a wonderful job. So we're, I'm all set for that because I could deal with that. So he gets there, and there's about 700 people in the auditorium. And uh, he says, no, he says, normally I talk about praise and worship. But today I've got to talk, talk to you about something else. <laughs> so he, he said, raise your hand if you know anybody that's holy and righteous. Nobody, nobody raised their hand. He says, wow, he said, I am so glad that you came here tonight to meet me. Because I am holy and righteous. <laughs> and then he continues the verse. In God's sight. Uh, I thought, what? I have, I have read that scripture in Colossians many times. Never, never sunk in. So he went on that night. And he explained how God looks at us if we've accepted his son. Very different. You know, we're, we're never going to be perfected, but he wants us to walk the walk worth your for calling. And he saved us so we can do that. So after that night, I thought, man, it just, uh, just really opened my eyes to so many things about what his grace does. It just uh, amazed me. And we speak a lot about grace here at church. You know, Nick and every one of you, you guys that preach here, grace and, and through and Jesus' sacrifice always mentioned. And that that's the whole purpose of, of the gospel is Jesus and, and Him crucified and resurrected. So I um, I was just blessed. But then you have some decisions you have to make. You know, once you have realization of what has happened to you? Like, okay, how's your life going to change? Well, the rest of this fourth chapter of of uh, Ephesians explains how how you've got to change. Paul described the personal, these these personal aspects of of life that makes us worthy of the calling. Uh, it's a life of fellowship with fellow believers. He makes that very clear in here. We can't do that alone. Uh, we can't be Lone Ranger Christians. Like, as uh, soon as this, if I have to go to church, then I'm going to go to church on mm, two days a year, then I'm out of there. Or, if I have to go to church with my wife or my husband, as soon as service is over, I'm out of here. Because, you know, I don't like those people. Don't blame them. I don't like myself sometimes either. But... The word says we need fellowship with each other. That fellowship, it, it does something in God's plan. It's God's plan for it. And the next four items that I'm going to cover about the virtues that Christ showed in his life that he wants to transform us into being like, all of these virtues, our, our physical bodies and our mind, totally opposite what our flesh wants. And they are, starting with humility. You know, Christ, um, wow, what an example of humility. And he wants to help us to get there. You know, he knows you're not going to snap your finger and you're going to be humble all of a sudden. Not with this much pride in us. It's hard. But in the year 62 AD, when Paul wrote this letter, these personal qualities were viewed as a weakness. You know, hum, humble? You've got to be kidding. I'm a soldier for Rome or whatever, or I'm a Roman citizen, and, and the pride just extremely high. And it's funny that, you know, the, the pride is so rampant then as it is now. And in Scripture, that is the one sin that is written that God hates. You know, he... Uh, there's a lot of sins mentioned, but that's the one he said, and God hates the sin of pride. So, uh, humility is an irreplaceable part of our Christian character. This is something that we, that Jesus will help us, help us develop in ourselves. And if you find yourself as being a prideful person, you got to know that's just the opposite of what Jesus wants. So go to him. 
You know, you, you need to go to him and just ask for help. You know, Jesus taught serving others is and treating them more important than yourself. That is, uh, that's what he wants us to do. His second characteristic was meekness. Uh, meekness is a gentleness of character. It's uh, especially in your attitude toward others in your relationships. Especially true in husband and wife relationship. It it is a um, kind of an attitude of submissiveness to each other, caring for each other, and uh, softness uh, for each other, which Christ definitely definitely was in his life. And there's patience. Patience is enduring trials or misfortunes that happen to you. Um, that's just a very short paragraph, very short sentence about what patience is. Uh, you pray for patience, and Lord, I want it right now. You know, <laughs> Give me patience. But with the help of Jesus, Jesus will help you slow down avenging any wrongs that happen to you. You know, you need you need to just step back before you jump into something, and just slow it down a little bit, and really ask yourself, how would Jesus handle this? Would Jesus be striking people? <laughs> yeah. So um, that re- retaliation is, is is something very dangerous, and ask Jesus to help you in that. I know we have a lot of anger in our society, um, a lot of anger, and people strike out at each other. Especially families, and that's very sad when families strike out at each other in in anger, and uh, and it's usually usually based on pride, I'm not getting my way. Uh, we just listened to a marriage seminar by Paul Tripp, and he talked about we live in the kingdom of God or we live in the kingdom of self, and our kingdom of self most of the time overrides, and that's where we live and that's where we expect. Uh, the next virtue is, is forbearance, bearing with one another's weakness in love. So when the cares of the world hits us, which they did, they will, not if, if they will, they definitely will, or when wrongs that we do to each other or are done to ourselves overwhelm us and draws us away from the purpose that God has for us in unity, we have to choose love, not I can't do that on my own. Jesus did it. <laughs> he wants us to be able to do that, but he will help us. So just as an example, um, all of us, I'm sure, have had those friends that a uh, little bit obnoxious. And if you hang around them very long, it gets really hard not to either say something or to blow up or to leave in a huff or whatever. Uh, that's a perfect time to test this. <laughs> Ask God, God, help me, help me continue loving this person. Give me your humility and your meekness and your patience. And just help me hang with this person. Because that person is there in your life for a reason. Uh, you may be the only influence of Christ in their life. It's quite a responsibility. The verses that follow follow this uh, is Paul's application of the unity of all believers. He speaks at unity as a gift from God, made possible by the death and resurrection of his son. The gift has been freely given to each of us, but it's our responsibility to eagerly keep it, to hold on to it, to cherish it, to guard it in the face of all the cares that we go through. Um, this is a spiritual unity and not a denominational or tribal unity, as as uh, Nick preached a couple of weeks ago out of Luke. Um, this tribalism that we have ours and we don't want you to have part we have because you need to be part of us to do that. And and I'm, I'm going to read Luke, Luke here, that one verse. John said, Master, we saw someone casting out demons in your name. We tried to stop him from doing that because he's not one of us. And Jesus answered, don't stop him for the one who is not against you is for you. And uh, 
thought about that a lot through this last couple of weeks after after that sermon. I thought, boy, we you know we do that all the time. We're, we we want to form our own little tribe and feel like we are more important than that other tribe instead of us being in a family. Yeah. So I, uh, you know, the way the way we have some differences with with people, and it it's just kind of weird how how God will put you in situations where He'll kind of open your eyes. So you can see that, you know, these people that are worshiping in a different way, different land, different culture, is acceptable to him as much as the Western civilization, the way you guys worship. You know, uh, Marsha and I and Lynn Keene went to India a couple of years ago to check out uh, the medical clinic there. And uh, we were invited to the ashram where these people have dedicated their lives to minister to these, these Hindu, Hindu people. It's almost a 100% Hindu nation. Well, these people are, are Indians, you know. They moved thousands of miles from their homeland, and they've dedicated their life, and they look different than us. You know, they have the, the leaders have long robes of a different color than the other people, you know, and it looks, it, when I first saw that, it kind of like, oh, this is a bit um, uh, hierarchical, whatever, you know. And so immediately that came in my mind, and I thought, wow, why, <laughs> why, am, I, why am I thinking that way? And I, if I knew the word tribe then, I would have thought, hmm, not in my tribe. <laughs> but <laughs> but we, were, we were invited to their worship service. And they sang in, I assume it's Hindi or whatever. And um, we had we had some little books. Some of us had little books that had some interpretation of their songs in English. And it's it's worship songs like we sing. Um, the leader gave a word uh, through scripture, and we were able to afterward just talking to these people and just the love they have in their hearts for God and that. Wow, you know, this is a this is part of our community. We have a, you know, we have Lynn's over there right now. In fact, trying to get some things going with that clinic, which the ashram that's all controlled by the ashram is their reach out to the people in the area, and uh, you know they've loved Lynn for years. Lynn loves them for years, and things are happening. So while she's over there, just and I think uh, Joshua is over there also, just pray for them that this will be a very successful trip. And, and they'll come back with some extremely good news about that hospital. Because we need a full-time, full-time doctor. Big time. Um, you know, his, throughout history, even Paul's day, he had these false teachers trying to divide the church. And... Uh, Thinking about history throughout these last 2,000-some years, how many divisions there have been in the church, I think we would be very hard-pressed to find a historical vision within Christendom done by believers who are fully, totally sold out to Jesus. If, if Jesus is the center, and that is the priority, there's not going to be any division. In verses 4 through 6, Paul uh, describes the six truths that we should be sharing with all believers worldwide. First is one body. We all are in one body. And he uses this analogy in a lot of his letters because we can relate to the body, right? Uh, Everything in our body, our skin, our muscles, our skeleton, everything is for the building up of our body. So Paul uses that knowledge of the body as being just as important as our physical bodies to keep, keep it all together. You know, the letters that Paul wrote to all these other churches, his main focus was the kinship, fellowship of these brand new Jewish Christians, brand new Gentile Christians, and meshing them together in unity 
so they could fulfill the purpose that God has for them. You know, he, he taught them to be, let God lead you into his purposes. Don't, don't get so involved in, like the, the Jewish Christians still wanted some people to um, go through certain things to still prove that they were, I guess, Jews, but then they're Christians. And Paul was always, always attacking that. Like, no, that's not, you don't have to do that. We, we, can, we can be united in our belief in who Jesus Christ is. So there's a common goal. And we can only imagine how he would abhor <laughs> the divisions in the church churches today that we all kind of accept as normal. And it shouldn't be normal. You know, there are many Christian churches in this, this entire area. Um, we speak English in this church. Churches speak Tagalog in this area. They speak Vietnamese. They speak Chinese. Um, uh, they speak Spanish. You know, how much... How much um, mm, how much do we have to do with them? Like this, uh, Art just shared this thing about this um, this clinic, this medical clinic for one, for for young women that find themselves in a position that uh, very difficult. Well, Planned Parenthood is there to absolutely okay. Well, we'll end that right now, and it doesn't matter because that's not a baby. Here, this group, run by uh, numerous, you know, what, 40 churches involved in it now. On this, on these fundraisers, and if you've noticed, if you go around town, most of the Planned Parenthoods that I've been been by and seen are in Latino neighborhoods or Filipino neighborhoods, and it's very sad, very sad that that's happening. And if the church were united. First of all, if the church were united, that probably never would have been done anyway. But um, it's just very sad that the people that are being targeted by by these groups it just it just tears it tears the body of Christ apart. Because I would bet you there's people that work for those organizations that cringe at the thought that they're working there. They've got a job there. And I, I've heard testimonies of nurses that have finally left there because of what they were doing. And it's just totally against uh, anything that Christ himself wanted us to do. The one body, very important. You know, the, uh, some, of the, some of the changes or divisions we've had over that one body and the way we worship. I mean, literally, there have been divisions over having instruments on stage. Like, really? You know, the church I was raised in, this thing here was apparently a tool of the devil, I guess, because we never would allow instruments in our, in our worship service. Never did quite understand that. But, uh, but, and it got so bad, one of our young ladies was getting married, and she was wanting the music person to be able to bring in a piano for the wedding march and all that. Absolutely not. They wouldn't. They wouldn't even let that. And that. That's when I started. I started doing some more serious thinking. I was about 17 at the time, and I said, "No, something, something's wrong. This, this isn't working as a, as a body of believers." You know. Uh, next thing is that we all have in common is one spirit. We're all members. If we're all members of the body that Christ died for. That means God's Spirit is dwelling within us. Jesus said when he left, he's going to leave a helper. The Holy Spirit is here to help us and to guide us. So the fact that you, this fact um, prevents any view that the church is just an organization. You know, we're a community. We're a family. The presence of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, constitute that, you know, this is... The basis, that agreement is the basis for our community together. We also have one hope. All, all who have the Spirit of God have a common hope in Him. And we, Nick sang about that hope in one of the songs today. It's uh, the hope that we have in Christ. We come from all sorts of different backgrounds and cultures. 
and our and our goal through Jesus is the same. God's Spirit is our guarantee that in the end, the end time, when when we're in the last of the fourth quarter, we're in the end time, how awesome it's going to be to be standing before the throne. You know, you just uh, you just close your eyes and I think it was John that said, I looked and I behold a great multitude, but too large to count, too large to number, from every nation, every tongue, every tribe, standing before the throne, amazing, <laughs> and singing, holy, holy, holy. That's um, something to look forward to. Absolutely. The other thing we have in common is one Lord. You know, Paul Paul said here in throughout Scripture that Jesus is Lord. Uh, if we serve Jesus as our Lord, then neither race nor being rich or being poor, being great or small, or poli- political or any personal ambition would ever disrupt our essential beliefs in Jesus Christ. Never, ever break unity over those those things. Then he goes on with one faith. This is the same attitude of trust that binds us to our one Lord. The outward sign of our faith, believing in Jesus, he sent his Holy Spirit, to help us. And that outward sign that we all share is baptism. Jesus instituted this himself. It is an experience that he wants every believer to share with other believers. In Corinthians, the first Corinthians, the twelfth chapter, Paul wrote, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are still one body. So it is with Christ, for the Spirit we were baptized in one body. It's a sacrament. It's a holy sacrament, baptism. And it is a sacrament of unity. And then the sixth chapter goes to the ultimate thing that we share together, that we hold us together, and that's our belief in one God. One God, the Father of all. All believers belong in that family. We're brothers and sisters in the family. Um, he's adopted us. It wasn't that we wanted to be adopted, you know. If you're an orphan, you'd love to have a family. Well, we are an orphan in this world. We live in a sinful world, and God has chose us to be his people. So it's like, wow. Um, You know, I'm thinking of like Patty Patty and Jason Madden. You know, they're adopting these, these children. And I thought, wow, how wonderful that is that these uh, kids can grow up and someday realize really how special they were that they were chosen. Chosen by mom and dad. That's great. Some of my kids, I don't know if I would have chosen them or not, (laughs) but glad I have them. (laughs) We've been blessed. In verses 8 through 10, then Paul describes the work of Christ and his death and his resurrection as being that basis for our unity. Says, and this is a little bit of difficult scripture about him coming down into the depths of the earth and all that. It's uh, it's a little difficult for me to understand, but I thank Nick for a little bit of guidance in this in this matter. It uh, probably refers to Paul's teaching that he also did in Philippians two, where where Jesus he became a man. Here it's a God man. He came to man, came to earth for a purpose, and that purpose, he humbled himself to a death on the cross for us. And you, you know that that should be, uh, that really has to be the main thrust of the center of every one of our lives in unity is our belief, that belief that yes, he did come to earth, he did die, 
He was buried and he was resurrected. And with the resurrection of Jesus, you know, he said, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave a, a helper for you. So the outpouring of the Holy Spirit came. Now we have his life living in us. And it's kind of hard to get in touch with that life living within us sometimes. It takes, you've got to keep your mind renewed about who we are in him, what he's done for us, and, and pray. You know, pray, keep, uh, keep that in mind that he will help us. The Holy Spirit will help us. We now have access to Christ's meekness and his humility and his forbearance and love. And these have all been given as gifts to us, and we can share those gifts with others. After this verse here, Paul started describing God's plan to unite the body of Christ. Because we are all very different. You know, I've gone through this before that we're adopted into his family by his free will, by unmerited, um, you know, we didn't merit it. We didn't have to have it. Well, we did have to have it, but we didn't earn it. So each of us has been blessed in many different ways, in our interest and in the gifts that he's given us. And all these gifts have been given to the building up of the body of Christ. You know, some people are extremely talented. They, God has blessed them with his gift of teaching. Uh, Nick, for instance, you know, he teaches us, he equips us, trains us, educating us into doing the work that we're intended to do. The rest of us, all of us, have something in here about serving. We're all servants. One way or another, we are, we are serving. And um, just pray, pray more about, God, what would you like me to do? We've probably all got neighbors that you could serve. We all have members here in the body of Christ that we could serve. Don't be hesitant. Just uh, step out and serve. Paul's teaching does not command that we have a structured unity, but a unity based around, of course, again, and it, it, it just keeps repeating all the way through this, but our faith in Jesus. Everything we learn and practice is for that purpose, to mature us into our knowledge of who Jesus is and who we are in him. He wants to transform us into his likeness, and that is... That transformation is talked about over and over and over through Scripture. And that's the purpose. He wants us to become like Him. You know, we keep, uh, if we keep centered on the resurrection, guided by His humility, His gentleness and patience, this is when we have greater unity. And greater unity with the, the larger picture of uh, Christendom. And the purpose of that is to keep each ourselves and each other safe. We can't be unknowledgeable about what the Word of God says. Because, um, you know, if we're unknowledgeable about what the Word of God says, we're opening ourselves up to problems of other people telling us what the Word of God says in their own opinion, or their own agendas. And that's not always safe. So he has a warning. Paul has a warning here. And he's been through this scenario of immature believers throughout these 30 or so years. And now he's in prison, and he's still worried about the immaturity of of these believers. And he's pretty blunt about it. He says, uh, don't be like children. Chasing shiny objects. Well, actually, that's my paraphrase there. But don't be like children. Every wind of doctrine, you just kind of move around whichever way the waves take you. So my paraphrase would be chasing tiny objects or having our spiritual interest bombarded by the latest and greatest guy or woman who's got this thing going on at this church and it's wonderful and the move of the Holy Spirit is taken on and on and on. And on. Oh, and then that church has something else and then over here this church. And it just, it just, I don't know, we all lived through the 70s, right? In the 80s. 
That was just going on constantly. And it's like Paul says, you've got to be grounded in the Word of God. Got to be. He describes ungrounded people like a boat without a rudder. Have you any of you ever been out on a stream or the ocean and you're, you're, you lose your oars <laughs> or the rudder falls off? Like, oops. Yeah, it, it's a very scary feeling. You have, you have no control about which, which way that wave is going to take you. So Paul says you're being swept along like, uh, like a wind on these waves of deceit because you don't know any better. There are people in this world and organizations in this world that follow a different Jesus. They say they're following Jesus. All right? um, we have some Mormon friends, and you ask a Mormon, well, what is Jesus to you? Well, he, they will say pretty much the same that we would say. You know, he's the son of God. He's, and, and I said, well, you guys teach that he has a brother. Oh, yeah, he has a brother. His name is Lucifer. I was like, what? Yeah. And it's like, it's a different Jesus. He's not talking about Jesus, the Son of God. So we need to be careful. Um, some teach a totally different gospel. There are churches that say, you know, the end of time, after that fourth quarter, God, because he is great, merciful love, everybody's going to be saved. Everybody. I thought, really? Okay. Uh, Got to be careful. And some just twist the truth. Here they're, they're Christian pastors or elders or whatever, Bible school teachers. They get a truth definitely in there, and then they tweak it just a little bit for their own agenda. Um, Paul warned Timothy about this in the second chapter of Timothy. Third chapter of Second Timothy, excuse me, said, he said, Timothy, there are evil people, there are imposters. They will go from bad to worse, so it progresses. And they will be deceived, and they are deceiving. So be careful. Now, this is an example of this deceit, how subtle it is. Had a friend, had a friend in ministry um, over 30 years. Um, the promises that this person had been believing in just over the years just very slightly just changed just a little bit by little bit and you would go into their library at their home and you could kind of see why the change because row after row after row of books not the Bible she did have the Bible but books and books about all these things that she was believing and it just re-emphasized that little bit of a twist and it's very sad because we really couldn't talk to this person about this because it was very uh, became a very religious religious I can't even say the word religious something other anyway she'd, she'd get very upset and um, it was a shame then the fourth quarter came in her life and her physical body and her mental capacity started falling apart. And she started questioning God and his love for her. Because all these years she had believed something that was just off enough where it became, when she had to face those cares of life, when those trials did come, she didn't have Jesus to depend on. And it's very sad. Very sad. So Paul would say, renew your minds. Keep, you know, it, it's good to read concordances and all that stuff, but don't depend on just them for your Christian walk. It's very, very dangerous. No matter how solid these authors are, there are so many authors that aren't solid. Because he wants us to Stay focused on the race. Jesus, Paul, all of the apostles, stay focused on the race that's set before us. Um, in conclusion, the application of this passage requires really a 
reformation of how we, how our attitudes are toward um, the body of Christ. How do we perceive the magnitude, really, of the body of Christ? You know, we we know here it cannot just be us. You know, that's just not. Uh, you know, we're we're all I think much better at that than most. But as we reach out and incorporate showing love to these these other churches, because these other churches, I'm sure, are probably, very possibly, going through stuff. And and it's hard. It's hard for the unity. So, you know, our our past individualism or the hierarchies that we were raised under or just the lacking of speaking truth in love to our fellow fellow Christians, they, that does not match up to the calling to which we've been called. Paul has given the body of Christ a roadmap on how to correct our hearts in this matter. And the book, the book of Ephesians, boy, is, a, is quite a roadmap. And, uh, but he encourages us to be good stewards of God's grace and fulfilling our individual roles as members of the body. You know, it's, and it's not beyond us. Uh, Jesus has enabled us, each one of us, to walk worthy of our calling. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you, Father, for your word. We thank you, Father, that your word is true. It's always true. We thank you, Lord, for your love for Jesus' love for us, that he would give up, come to earth, be a man tortured and spit upon and crucified, dying a horrible death for us, and then resurrected by your power, Lord, ascended to your throne, where he is there waiting for us now. He's there helping us to deal with life. You know, your, your word says, Lord, that when the trials come, it doesn't say if the trials will come, but it says when they come, it's for the building up perseverance of our of our each individual person that's going through it, and there's a purpose because we can we can share in love all that is happening to us, all that you've helped us through. Lord, you are a great, mighty, awesome Savior, and we love you, and we just thank you, Father, for. All these, all the truths that we can glean out of your work, Lord. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.